Hello, everyone. My name is Markel Vincent, and I am the director for the Convene Consulting Network. As such, I'm privileged to have conversations with people like Mike Petty, who we're going to talk with for a bit today. Uh, Dr. Mike Petty has uh, an extensive career and has helped many organizations inside and from B-side. He's also instructed and helped many people with their academic careers as they studied business and being better as business leaders. He's also a convene team chair in the Washington, D.C. area, and I'm privileged to meet with Mike a couple times a month. So I've gotten to know his heart and uh, how he cares for his team and how he cares about the work of helping people have excellent businesses and honor God. So Mike, I want to welcome you uh, and thank you for giving me a few minutes to have this conversation. I think folks are going to find very helpful. Well, thank you, Mark. I couldn't have read, uh, written a better uh, introduction <laughs> myself. <laughs> well, it's nice when you actually know the people you get to have conversation with because then it can be a real sincere, hey, this is somebody I know and trust. And that's truly the case with you. Um, one of the things that we all really respect you for is your background and uh, kind of some groundbreaking stuff you've been doing around futures thinking. And you've had a chance to work with a variety of organizations around that. So I, there's just a number of questions I'd like to ask you as we work through this and to start. Uh, really, futures thinking is still an unfamiliar term for some. Um, and in fact, the word prognostication might even though that's a big word, might be a word they're even more familiar with. So it's it's just a little bit out there in some cases. So it probably would be useful, if you would, to give us a definition and make a distinction, because I know there is one between like forecasting or strategic planning or even foresight. So give us that, that primer on future thinking. Yeah, um, I think uh, the best way to define uh, futures thinking is with an illustration. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos uh, of Amazon fame and one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest man in the world, uh, likes to say, my senior team and I live and work in the future. Hmm. And uh, 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 futures thinking methodology allows all organizations to, to live and work in the future, allows them to get ahead of change. And to you know, maximize uh, competitive advantage, maximize opportunities, and minimize risks. So, um, you know, uh, with respect to a, a comparison to strategic planning, uh, the historically, uh, I think the the customary strategic plan that that we have all probably seen and, and been involved in is typically a um, you know, an exercise of, you know, what's our vision? What's our mission? Uh, what are the three or four or six initiatives we can develop over the next three years? And what does that look like on a financial forecast? And that, uh, that particular uh, approach to strategic planning, which I, I, I truly believe is really not strategic, it's more uh, multi-year operational planning, was developed in the 1970s. And um, in, in an era where change didn't happen so fast, and change from outside of your industry rarely affected you. That's not the case today. Change happens so fast that if you're not paying attention to what's happening, not only outside of your business, but outside of your industry, 
you could be blindsided in, in, in finding yourself backpedaling, trying to catch up. Yeah, yeah. I've heard someone say yesterday, uh, now imagine if it was 2015 and you were doing a five-year plan for 2020, like, would you have written the plan that you're in right now? I just... No, <laughs> no. In, right. in fact, um, the, a problem with, with plans, I mean, you've, you've been there, Mark. Uh, we put in a lot of time and effort into a, a three-year plan. We put it in a three-ring binder. We read it one time. We put it on the shelf, and the next time it's taken off the shelf is the next time we have to do a three-year plan. You know, so it's not used as a working document. And mm -hmm. so I think the the emphasis here on strategic or on on futures thinking is the thinking part. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't use a lot of Excel spreadsheets. We don't. You can't get strategic thoughts out of your um, you know your Netsuite uh, uh, platform. It, it really requires some serious thinking and maybe some different approaches to to thinking. It's really interesting because you, you talked uh, about um, time frames. So the Amazon example, they're living in the future and reaching back to the now to pull forward. Whereas the strategic stuff, maybe maybe even a little bit of foresight is standing here in the now and trying to project out, but with what you already kind of have, you're not you're not constructing the future then you're trying to yeah. as you said carry that exactly we're 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 starting from a point of historical data mm -hmm. and we're we're forecasting out assuming that the future is going to be the same as it is today yeah you know and as we can see like you said in your example five years out if we did a five-year plan five years out is a moving target mm -hmm. you know so what you plan today may be totally irrelevant mm -hmm. in three years five years even one year I'd like to push on the time frames part of that then just a little bit more because um, there is there was let's say it this way there was a short termism that really showed up in two thousand eight and nine you know what are we doing this quarter what are we doing this month let's fact let's even mess with the reports a little bit so we can look more profitable right now and the share price can go up and then we'll sell so it was just very very short term that seems to not be in vogue the way it was and yet we're in a right now mentality maybe because of covid and the pandemic and a great deal of uncertainty but there's there's a lot of of this um this would be a luxury to actually engage in futures thinking and when i have time and when i have money and everything is running really smoothly maybe then we could do some of that kind of of luxurious uh, activity that helps us, you know, dream forward. So what, what's the response to that? Well, uh, a couple of responses is, is you're right. Right now, uh, we have to be thinking operationally day to day, month to month, but right now isn't going to last forever. Right now, as we're facing it right now, may not last even till the end of this year. So yes, we have to do that. And, and, in the, in the everyday running of your business, put the coronavirus aside on the everyday running of your business. You gotta deal with everyday problems, right? The, uh, and, and I'll say that, that, that futures thinking really isn't a luxury. It, it's a, an underappreciated necessity. Hmm. Because, you know, when, when you look at the statistics and you see that um, uh, the, uh, you know, 50% of all new businesses go out of business within five years and 90% of them or more go out of business in, in 10. And that 
today the tenure in the Fortune 500 is only 12 years and dropping. Um, you know, you, right. if you're not thinking about the future and staying ahead of change, uh, you're going to be one of those statistics. Yeah. Now you're making me think that maybe there's a correlation between that and short CEO uh, tenures. Like, you know, they're only in it for two or three years, if that, in many cases. Well, they can't be held accountable then for their poor. <laughs> yeah, right. So what are some of the other objections that you see, Mike, that get in the way of futures thinking? Well, um, I think the biggest object objection is uh, a lack of urgency. You know, as you pointed out, historically, not only in the, since 2008, but going back my entire career back into the, the 1970s, there's always a short-term orientation, and it's it's driven by uh, by the publicly traded companies, you know, and it's driven by the accounting systems are developed. We look at quarter to you know month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, um, and, and I think there's just a lack of an understanding that we have to to look beyond that. We have to get out of our short-term mentality. I think that's the the, the biggest uh, obstacle is the lack of urgency. Hmm. Uh, another obstacle it really is the the internal focus of organizations and you know that um, you know one of the convenes objectives is to get executives to think up on their business not in their business right and so thinking uh, with a future perspective gets certainly gets them out of their business so as we struggle to get our convene members to, to be focused outside you know, that's one of the issues. There's still that internal focus. And I think the last one is that this objective of a, of a lack of time. Um, I think that's a misconception. I think uh, refocusing uh, on the future requires more intentionality than it does uh, intensity of time. So I think those are the, those are the big three or, or four. Including yeah. the one. In relationship to that last one, Mike, would you, suggest that maybe there is even a uh, a new efficiency of time or we could say less time wasting uh, over time by engaging in futures thinking i think um i think when when you incorporate a future focus mentality in in incorporate uh a the the the, the minimum management system that drives that you're not spending any more time than you have, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're just going to allocate some of the time that you might spend working on last year's problems. You know, the mm -hmm. stuff of yesterday when you, when you now are working on the stuff of tomorrow. So I'm not sure if I answered that question. properly. I, I, I think you did. So let me uh, just, cause I, I think this could be a fine point and maybe a good point uh, to make. Uh, today, I, I heard on the uh, news radio broadcast uh, about uh, flight attendants who are picketing and saying, save our jobs. Now, indeed, their jobs are threatened deeply, right? The effort to be in the present saying, save my job now, given the data that's out there that it's already significantly threatened, is a choice for a use of time, trying to preserve what you have, applying what you're talking about, and we'll get into this a bit more in a minute, but you know, futures thinking, you're, you're casting out to look at what could be reality 
you might be choosing a very different strategy and already be further down the road than the person who is still hoping that they will be some kind of there'll be some kind of glorified uh, welfare program for them. Yeah, I think you know. I look back over the last uh, thirty years. You can see this mentality. You know, going back into the this, the the seventies and eighties when the auto industry, which I spent twenty years in, that'd be a great example. Uh, were were implementing robotics. So you have the union on one side saving, you know, you know, yeah. we want to save our eighty dollar an hour jobs. The other, the other uh, flip, the flip side of that is the is the auto companies need to to manufacture a cost efficient and cost efficient methods to keep the, the cost of of cars reasonable. And you might remember yeah. in the in the late eight, uh, in the early eighties the the concept of sticker shock. You know, cars went from an average price of eighteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars a car to thirty thousand dollars a car in a matter of a year or two. Mm-hmm. You know, so so as as we evolve using technologies, and you can we could talk about that right now when when we can use artificial intelligence to review legal documents. How many uh, attorneys or paralegals is that going to put out of business? Yeah. Oh my, yeah, right. yeah and we're going to have more accurate documents. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I mean, you can go at, at one example after another and 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 be shocked. I give you <laughs> I give you kind of a, an example. One of our convened members in in Chicago runs a, um, a a plumbing company and they they do big plumbing projects. And he was telling me that at one point in time, you know, they would they would be putting in uh lawn systems, lawn sprinkling systems. So they would get a call, come out and give us a proposal. They go out, they give them a proposal and uh, they'd have to come back, write up the proposal, send it out. They'd be waiting. And uh, you know, they're, they may not, may or may not get the job. He said, we wasted a lot of time because we sent an engineer out there, somebody that could do, do the proposal. And we waited and you know, we, we didn't get any, we didn't get a, a close. He said, we used, a free chatbot. We put it on our website, and it said, "If you want a proposal for your sprinkling system, fill out this questionnaire, and we'll get a proposal to you." He said, "So people would call. You know, somebody's thinking about doing their lawn at eleven o'clock at night. You know, and they'd fill out the questionnaire, and by the time they got up the next morning, the proposal was there." He said, "We didn't have to send anybody out, and if the uh, the uh, a potential customer thought the proposal was too high. It was too high. If they thought it was good, then we'd go out. We start negotiating. So mm-hmm. he said, we saved man hours, tons of man hours. So now, did that eliminate some jobs? Maybe, maybe not. But I think the objective, I mean, is we talk about artificial intelligence and and uh, all of the, all of these different uh, things in the, for the future. We're going to be eliminating a lot of jobs. I think a lot of jobs will be eliminated. A lot of mundane jobs or standardized jobs, but it'll provide opportunities in other areas. So we have to be prepared for that. It's not something new. It's been going on for for Mike, those are great examples. And it goes to your point of how rapidly businesses go out of business Mm -hmm. uh, and they get stuck in a method. They get stuck in a modality. 
uh, and then things pass them by and it might be price point, it might be other competition that they didn't take into account and now they're, they're done. So maybe some jobs have to change, but the company remains in business as opposed to gone. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So could you walk us through the methodology of futures thinking, just so folks get a better handle on how this actually works? Sure, sure. Um, uh, organizations can develop a futures thinking uh, orientation uh, by really creating a, a, a structured process. And uh, we, we use one, we call it the five uh, practices of future focused leadership. Because focusing on the future is a leadership issue, you know, so that's how we, we start. So the, it's a five, five step process. The first process is really challenge your current business model. You know, look for the strengths of your business model, look for your weaknesses, look for the changes that are impacting you right now and take the action to improve your operations, improve your profitability and minimize your risk. Okay. So futures thinking, you don't have to wait 10 years to figure out whether your futures thinking is working or not. You should be able to get immediate benefit out of, out of the first step of future thinking. And, and so, you know, we have to start with today. So what do we have? We have our business model today. That's where we start and we move forward from that. The second, the second step, the second practice is really looking uh, inside and outside of your industry of the, of the what I call tectonic changes, those slow-moving changes that are going to impact you over time. That could be technological, could be demographic, could be political, legal. You know, these are things that are going to slowly change over time. We, we don't see the impact, but like, a, like a, the, the tectonic plates, you know, all of a sudden we have a volcano or an earthquake and, and you know, now we're struggling with our, with our business model. So that's, we, we go through this process of looking at, uh, at these long, longer term trends and we try to identify two or more significant drivers of change. That's we call them drivers of change. So we identify that. Uh, the third phase is actually creating scenarios based on these drivers of change. And we, we have a, a process, we call it a scenario matrix where we take the two drivers and say, with two drivers, you're going to have four different scenarios. There's going to be some mm -hmm. on, on, the, on the low end. It's going to be these drivers aren't really going to affect us very much. On the high end, the drivers are going to affect us a lot. Mm -hmm. When you create these uh, scenarios, now with, with, you, you get to the point where Jeff Bezos is. He's looking at the future. You, you got the future in front of you. And so, uh, so you can start from there. Once you have those scenarios, you can start looking backwards. And, and uh, one of my favorite quotes by Steve Jobs is that uh, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. Mm -hmm. So creating the scenarios allows you the opportunity, whether it's, you know, three, five, ten years out in the future, say, gee, you know what? I really don't like this. I don't really like this uh, uh, scenario. So what do we have to do about it? Mm -hmm. Once you have the scenarios created, uh, you can – you can start looking for what we call inflection points. You know, those are those evidence of change that says, boy, I, th I think this is happening. When, when you see a, a, a plumbing contractor putting a chatbot on his website, you might say, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. And, and if he can do it, everybody's going to be doing that. So it's, an, it, it's evidence of change. The, um, the fourth uh, step, the fourth practice is, is where the rubber meets the road here. So we take our scenarios 
and we say, okay, based on these scenarios, we, we want to develop three transition paths. And I'm using paths rather than plans because paths give us some flexibility because we don't know which of the four scenarios we're going to end up in, right? right. <laughs> They're going to evolve. But having a, pla a, a path that, uh, that kind of considers all four of them allows us to have some flexibility. So when we're watching for the inflection points, we can then create these paths and then solidify the paths so we can move forward. So the four paths are, or the three paths are, uh, the first path is, is really enhance your existing business model. You know, take what you know based on the scenario planning and say, what do we have to do with our business model right now to make it more efficient, more profitable? Number, path number one. Path number two is over time, how do we create an alternative business model? So if we see the future evolving, we can say, you know, our business model is, is A, but based on what we know, we have to make a change. So I'll give you a, a kind of an example, can be an example. Historically, our business model has revolved around the forum day. We have forum day and then we have one-to-one -one coaching. Maybe as we evolve, we just, we, based on the evidence we see in the marketplace, like you know, millennials really like to be coached, we might find that the, the business model of the future, you know, five years from now or so might be that the coaching becomes the primary driver of convenes business model in the forum day becomes a secondary thing. So that's, you know, that's just a, you know, an yeah. example that, that we can relate to. Sure. Um, the, the third path is really watching what changes in the marketplace to create a new and adjacent business. So, you know, and you can use the, the Amazon example, you know, Amazon started selling books, you know, a, a simple product, only books on the internet. But over the last 20 years, because technology has expanded, one of Amazon's most profitable businesses is their Amazon Web Services. Totally unrelated on the surface to selling books and selling retail, but using their underlying technology to provide services to, to other companies. So it, it's the, the three, the, the three are, again, to summarize it, it's creating or in, enhancing your current business model. And the time frame is one to three years and the sooner the better. The second one is creating a new business model. And I'd say the time horizon is one to five years and the, and the, and the sooner the better. And then the, the last one is creating a, 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 an adjacent business, a new adjacent business that grows revenue in addition to what you're doing, I'm not saying get rid of the old business, but add on new business. That might be a one to five to 10 year, but the sooner you can get your wrap your arms around that, the better too. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the fourth, uh, the fourth uh, aspect of, uh, of future focused leadership. And the fifth one is really future focused leadership. And that's the ongoing uh, daily activity or periodic activity of, of, of intentionally looking for change in your, in your industry and outside your industry. You've already identified some of that because of the work you've already done, what changes you should look for, um, making adjustments to your, to your business models uh, on an ongoing basis, and, and actually assigning accountabilities to senior managers for following that stuff up. I mean, futures thinking is a, is a team effort. Um, so, and then it, it all sums up with an annual review, just like you would re do an annual review of your budget. 
do the annual review of your future so that you can make those course corrections that you need as you see the various scenarios developing. Mm -hmm. So what this does, this allows organizations to improve their current profitability, uh, take advantage of longer term opportunities, identify and minimize uh, longer term risk, and really ultimately what we wanna do is we wanna create value, right? Mm -hmm. so. you, you've, you've described here uh, something that you embed inside the organization as an ongoing set of activities rather almost like a governing kind of thing rather than oh hey for our staff retreat this year let's do futures thinking now we've done that what's next like a consumer yeah. experience no, so no, I, you're really right you might have to do uh, that retreat uh to get the ball rolling mm -hmm. because you're introducing a lot of new concepts and whatever but it, it really is a cultural thing you know, this shouldn't be just a, an exercise for the senior management team. It should be an exercise for everybody. You know, sometimes it's the customer service rep that's closer to the, to the client that sees the change that's happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if I'm getting the message, then it's like, uh, if we think, oh, let's do that every five years, we might not be here in five years yeah. to, to do it again, because we wouldn't have engaged the future. We wouldn't have followed up on the, what kind of business are we in? Will we be in? What do we need to add on? And so yep. Forth. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so um, as we wrap up today, Mike, can you give us an example of, of an entity that you've worked with where they needed to get some futures thinking done. They did get it embedded. They're experiencing some benefits now. Just to give us a sense of what that picture could look like. Sure, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one that's, uh, you know, close to our hearts and that's, that's Convene itself. Um, you know, Convene is 20 something years old, but their business model hasn't significantly changed in those 20 years. And we know that there are drivers of change that are going to be impacting them. So well, one of the drivers is demographic shifts. You know, basically our most of our chairs are baby boomers. A lot of our members are baby boomers. In ten years, you know, you and I might not be doing this this interview. You know, mm -hmm. um, another uh, uh, change is is advancing technologies. You know, you've been in convene long enough to know that we use a lot of paper, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, there are other ways, like we've discovered uh, right now, using technology that, that we can do things much more efficiently. So, uh, Convene uh, asked the question, the Convene leadership asked the question, will our business model be relevant in 2030? You know, will it help us satisfy our mission in 2030? So, they elected to go through this, the five practices that I just okay. outlined. So we started last uh, fourth quarter of last year and we worked our way through the first three practices to the point where we've created the scenarios just before the first week of March, just before coronavirus hit. And I think it was the 14th or, or, or 15th of March when the president shut everything down, Convene was able, based on the work we had already done, they were able to pivot within two days and, and, and go from face-to-face -face forum days to virtual form days, face-to-face one-to-ones, virtual one-to-ones. We also did, we did, you know, virtual ICS meetings, right? So they were able to, and in the process of doing these three, first three practices, we were able to identify an underserved market 
that maybe with the use of technology, we can start serving and, have, hmm. and generating a, a whole new set of, of convened members. So we were, they were able to get immediate benefit. They went through this coronavirus thing really without much of a, of a hiccup, some, some discomfort as we went through the, the process. And as a result of that work, uh, there is a team already working on what does the enhanced business model look like. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. might be driving more virtual teams. It might be driving a, a different uh, way of, of even doing forum days rather than our all day forum day to something else. Um, so we, we've, in a very short period of time, we got some immediate benefit to be, yeah. got some immediate benefit out of this. Now the, the, uh, it, uh, transition plan two, creating a new business model. We, we put it together a team to, to work on that, a team of chairs. And then the, the transition three is looking at adjacent businesses. We haven't started that yet, but, um, but we will be probably once we get through with these other two transitions, we'll be looking at, what are the core competencies of Convene on uh, which we can create a brand new adjacent business? Hmm. So, so you, in, as you walked through that, you've reminded me that uh, I know um, two companies that when the state shut down around coronavirus and it's declared a pandemic, they went to the shelf, pulled off the shelf the pandemic plan. A and and followed it, got through it, uh, were able to pivot because it actually engaged in futures thinking. Exactly. And they had their scenarios outlined. One company had done it because it made sense. Another company did it because it was required of them. It's the kind of business yep. that they're in. But that kind of work literally saved their skin. Uh, so it it's just another example of how critical and important this can be. Yep, absolutely. Well, this is a chance then, Mike, just to say thank you for the conversation. I think people are going to find this useful. And uh, thank you for, for joining me today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. This was fun. All right. So we're going to say farewell here. Uh, Mike's uh, contact information will be up on the screen as we close. He'll be happy to hear from you and converse with you uh, if this is something you'd like to dig into even more. So farewell for now. Bye-bye. Take care.